you're listening to MOD Channel. How can we know for sure that God is real? Today we'll be looking at five ways to know that God is real in our lives. I am your host, Mr. Essien, and let's just get right into it. So, the first way for us to know that God is real is what we call revelation. Revelation specifically from creation. Now, if you think about it, if a friend or a neighbor, or an unbeliever, an atheist, walks up to you and says, you that carries this Jesus on your head, this God thing, how are you even sure there is a God? How are you sure? Prove to me. Show me that there is a God. Give me evidence. And if it's a hardcore atheist, most likely what they are talking about is scientific evidence. In other words, maybe get into a lab, use some form of measurement or deduction to show me that God is real. And the answer is, you can't. You actually can't prove to a person through science that God is real. Because science is limited in what it can prove. Science studies creation. And we know God was not created. Rather, God created everything. Science studies what God made. And so, because of that, you cannot use science to know, oh, there is a God. However, you can actually study creation. And from studying creation, it should point you to something else. Creation is like a sign pointing you to something else, to a greater reality. Romans 1 verse 19 to 20 says, Since what may be known of God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been what? Clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. And so the great idea here is that God made all things. Nothing can come into being without being made. There must be a creator. The phone or device you're using to listen to this podcast right now was created. It did not just appear magically in your ears or in your hand. No, someone made it. So you holding the phone in your hand is proof especially because it's a complex device. It's something that people had to come together. A mind had to come together and put it together to serve this specific purpose. So if you can believe that about the phone, if you, are, if you are intelligent enough to look at a phone and say, this phone was designed, it was made, you should be intelligent enough to look at creation, the world around you to say, look, I can't see the creator, but these things did not just appear by themselves. Therefore, there must be a cause. There must be a creator. These are just the effects of a cause. So that's one major way we can know. You can look at creation and deduce, come to a logically sound conclusion that there is a God. The second way that we can actually know that there is a God or that God is real 
is what I would describe as eternity in our hearts. The fact that in every man there is an implant of the Creator or what we call a God-shaped hole in every man or woman that craves for God, that knows that there is a God, that just has an inward intuition that there must be a God somewhere. So the first one is creation. The second one is eternity in our hearts. And I'm going to read two texts of scripture. Romans chapter 2 verse 14 to 15. It says, Indeed, when a Gentile or when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their conscience is also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. So, in every man's heart is the knowledge of, of the law or let me say God's moral law or God's natural law. God has imprinted in every man a conscience or a way of knowing what is right and what is wrong. So, no man or woman on the planet will have an excuse because you just know intuitively some things are right, some things are wrong. This is right, this is wrong. And so I would argue that with that witness, with that witness, that moral law in every man's heart, it, there must be a, will I say, pre... Um, if there is an understanding, oh, this is right, this is wrong, there must be a standard somewhere it must dawn on you that there is a universal standard somewhere. If everyone can agree, for example, that killing a baby is wrong. Most people, some people are being funny these days. They will not agree if the child is in the womb. They will say, no, it's not a baby. It's okay to kill it because we're not seeing it. But if a baby is born, at least we know that every sane person actually should be able to say it's wrong to kill this child. Why can we all agree on that? It's because of the fact that there is a, an internal law written in every man's heart. And there is a value we ascribe on other human beings that naturally we should not. But it's because the creator himself made human beings and values human beings and he has put that same value in every human being. He has put that same knowing in every human being that it is wrong to do this and that and it is right to do this and that. So everyone knows Therefore, it points again to the Creator that there must be a lawgiver. There must be someone who made me and put that in my heart. If you are thinking properly, I'll give you another text of scripture, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27. It says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far away from any one of us. So again, we see clearly that God put us here to seek him. And so, there's no way he will put us here with no desire and expect us to seek him. There must be a desire in the heart of men to actually seek God. That's why he will say something like, you know, he put us here. He put, you know, from one man in the middle of nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out the appointed times in history. He says, God did this so that they would seek him. So he puts man here and, you know, he puts man in the grand scheme of things. So man comes into creation, man looks at the world around him, man knows there must be a God 
and there is a desire in every man's heart to seek God. You know, Jesus is actually called the desire of nations in the Old Testament. So in every man, there is that thing that says, no, there must be a God out there and I'll seek him. And that's where you see religion coming because religion is supposed to be, how do I get to this God? How do I find him? How do I, you know, go after him? And Paul will say that though he is not far from any one of us. In other words, he put the desire man to seek him and he is not far from us. So he can be found easily. Are you seeing that? So that's the second one. The third way that we can know that God is real is what we call personal revelation. Oh, and by the way, let me say this. If God did not reveal himself to us in one way or the other, we would not know. And so what you see, number one, revelation from creation, number two, eternity and our heart, is God actually the one who made the effort to reveal himself to us in one way or the other. And the first and the second one is common to all men, whether they are saved or not. The third one is personal revelation. It says God revealed himself to men through encounters like he did with Adam, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, and finally in the person of Jesus Christ when he came as a man. And so let's unpack that. Okay, so if you look at uh, throughout history, alright, this is biblical history by the way, but I can argue that it is not even or just to these men that God revealed himself. In fact, if you actually check in most cultures around the world, you will see at the root of it in their primitive cultures that God actually, you know, has revealed himself to people men in many ways. There are many people who even had a head of a missionary who, as he would go to these primitive tribes all over the world, he would actually see where they would have these drawings, ancient drawings and stories of, you know, of how um, a man came to them or, or maybe an angel or something telling them, oh, that, you know, someone would, come to, someone would come maybe centuries later to tell them about who God really is or who Jesus is or who, who God's son is and all that. It's all over the world. So, personal revelation. And it's not limited to biblical accounts. All over creation, God has actually revealed himself to many people throughout history. But here, personal revelation, we're just going to look at the scriptures because that's the one we have. At least we can actually prove. We can prove those ones based on the authenticity of scripture. So, Adam, right? We know Adam. God didn't just make Adam and run away. God revealed himself to Adam. God spoke to Adam. God had fellowship with Adam. People like Enoch, Abraham, of course, we know God appeared to Abraham. God caught a covenant with Abraham. God spoke to Abraham and told him about the Messiah, about the fact that he would be, um, Abraham was going to be a father of nations. And you know, I've, I explained this in one of the previous episodes that we did, that if God made Abraham the father of nations, how come it naturally it's just the Jewish nation he was the father of? And that means that God, who cannot lie, was talking about more than the Jewish nation, which is all of us. And we've explained before that we are children of Abraham if we follow the pattern of his faith. He believed God and it was called righteousness to him. God credited him as righteous because he believed God about salvation. So when we believe God about salvation, we are modeling the faith work of Abraham and therefore we are children of Abraham. God revealed himself to Moses, to Joshua. You see that? Throughout history, the Old Testament, you see, it's a progressive revelation of God. But we now see the final revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, in those times, God spoke to us by the prophets. 
all right if you look at hebrews chapter one i think it says that clearly that you know in sundry times and in diverse manners god uh, spoke to us by the prophets but in these last days that's hebrews 1 verse 2 in these last days he has spoken unto us by his son i see that whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person now i'm going to stop there and explain you see he revealed himself to the prophets so to someone like moses god reveals himself to moses and then moses becomes the mediator becomes the person who actually goes to reveal god to the people says god has appeared to me and this is what he said and you see that throughout history Moses, Joshua, all of them, they are more like uh, God reveals himself to this one person and that person now goes and, you know, does what God wants or becomes like a spokesperson on behalf of God. Actually, to be a prophet, a prophet is one who speaks on behalf of another. So the prophets were spokespersons. They represented God to the people. But you see, Jesus is different in the sense that he is the one the prophets have been talking about. He himself is not a prophet in that sense, no? Yeah, in a sense, because he's, he is God. but and, he, and of course, there is still the Father Eternal. And he represents the Father Eternal because the Father is in him. You see that? But he is the one they are talking about. And that's why, you see, when he came, he would ask, he said, what do people say I am? And this one would say, oh, you are Moses, you are Elijah, you are a prophet. He now says, but who do you say I am? And Peter would say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, that's his true identity. So in the person of Jesus, we see God exactly. We see God precisely. We see God with no shadow. We don't see God through anyone else's eyes. We see God through God's own personal revelation. This is God we're looking at. This is who he is. Everything about God is here looking at you. And that's who Jesus is. And as I said before, that is the most perfect, that is the perfect revelation of God. In other words, how do you know God is real? Look at Jesus. That's how you can know. God, Bible says, the, the, you know, the word became flesh, the word is Christ, and dwelt among us. He came and stayed. People saw him. People experienced him. People talked to him. They saw his mannerism. They saw his character. They saw his power. They saw his, you know, all these things. It was clear this is God. Are you seeing that? Look at John 5.37. And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. It says, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Look at that. It means Jesus is saying that no, none of you have seen him before. None of you can know him. He's the one that, that comes and reveals himself to you. And I am the perfect representation of God because I am God. <laughs> I am just God in a human body. That's why we call him son of God. The one who came from God. Are you seeing that? John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Verse 7, if you have known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. So Philip was confused and said, Philip said in verse 8, Philip said unto the Lord, Lord, show us the Father and it's okay for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you do not know me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how do you say, show us the Father? Believe not, I that, not that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that is, dwells in me, he does the works. He is saying, I and the Father are one. We are the same. One and the same. Are you seeing that? Jesus is God. In the flesh. He is God. So, he is the perfect revelation of God. 
And so that's the third way we can actually know there is a God. Now, the fourth one should have probably come before the third one because the third one is the perfect revelation. But the fourth one is miracles. Miracles, much like creation, points to a God. If God made everything, he can interrupt the normal operation of things. So that's the idea. If God made the world, the universe, one proof that there is a God is that that God will come from time to time and will feed in events that will shake the normal operation of the world. And he would do that through men. So we see, for example, in the book of uh, Joshua, we see when Joshua says, Son, stand still. The sun or the rotation of the earth must always happen. It's a law. It cannot stop. But we see that one day it stopped because a man said so. A man who had favor with God told the sun to stop and the earth stopped rotating. There's no way you would have been in that battle and you would have said, no, <laughs> this man, this man has power with God. God sent this man. And so people who are sent by God, usually one of the markers that we used to know is miracles. By the way, I'll give a disclaimer. Um, Satan also tries to use that to deceive people by also trying to work miracles. But the way we also know which one is legit and genuine, one major way, there are two ways actually, or two major ways. One is the fruit. You look at the fruit. You look at the results. Is the person, most time when Satan comes in and, and you start seeing lying signs and wonders, you usually see Satan trying to glorify and exalt himself. You know, it's always with skewered motivations and all that. But then you can also discern by the Spirit of God and know that this is wrong. But aside from that, we have authority over him. And so, just like Moses, when the um, he puts his rod down and it turned into a snake, the other people, the magicians of Pharaoh, put their rods down and they turned to snake. What happened? His own swallowed their own to show that God's power is superior. That is how you know. <laughs> that is how you know. So, I'm going to read, uh, basically just... We're just going to look at Moses because miracles, as I said, point to the fact that he was sent. So, Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Now, that's crazy. That's a miracle. Fire is supposed to burn things. But yet, here is a bush that is on fire. There is no doubt about it that this bush is on fire. But the bush is not burning. So when we say the burning bush, it's just that the bush is on fire. Nothing is being burnt. That's a miracle. That's just crazy. That's, that's like a suspension of natural laws. <laughs> Are you seeing that? And that got Moses' attention. So that's the first one, obviously. Then if you read down, that's Exodus 3, actually verse 2. But if you read down, you see that God begins to talk to him and tell him, and the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I've come to actually set my people free, you know, from Pharaoh and all that stuff. But in Exodus 4 verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, because he had told him, Go to Egypt, go and meet the Israelites, tell them that I sent you, and this, that, that, and you're supposed to leave, and all that, and then meet Pharaoh. Moses said, But behold, they will not believe me, and not listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Are you seeing that? The Lord has not revealed himself to you. How can we know that it's God that actually spoke to you? And the Lord said unto him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast on the ground. And he cast on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Guy ran away to show that I love these accounts. To show that it's real. It became a snake and Moses took off. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Are you seeing that? So I want you to think about this. A rod, a stick, wooden stick, all of a sudden is animated. It just, he throws on the ground and it becomes a snake. It just turns into a snake. That just defies all the laws of nature, natural law, whatever it is. It defies everything. It's a miracle. Then he says, pick it up again. And it hardens again and becomes a rod. That just, ah, that just blows my mind. So that, that, that's one. And of course, he told him, put your hand in your bosom. All right. And then he said, when he took it out, his hand was down leprous as snow. In other words, his hand that was perfectly fine. And okay, he puts his hand into his bosom, brings it out, and it's now sick, leprous, white as snow. To show you that this person, you know, is like something has happened. So miracles are actually a very, very, very strong way of showing there is a God. In fact, if someone asks you, is there a God? The person is sick, lay hands on the person, heal the person. That one is a very instant way of knowing, yeah, the God, if there is a God, this is possible. Are <laughs> you seeing that? Yeah. And that's why atheists many times or scientists conveniently, that's those who don't want to believe, will conveniently limit their worldview to materialism, meaning that there's no miracles. There's only the natural world. There's nothing supernatural. They just assume that. So that you can't, they'll tell you, prove it. There's no, you know, they, they won't open themselves up to that. But miracles do exist. And that's why every believer should work miracles. It's a very strong way of convincing people that God exists and that God loves them. And the last way that God has actually revealed himself to us is by his spirit in us. Romans 8.16 The spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. God has come into us. If you believe in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, then his spirit comes into you and you are born again. And if that spirit is inside you, that spirit will give you a witness, an awareness that you are born again. You would know, every believer would know there is someone inside of me. And that person is God. That by far is the strongest. Aside, of course, the revelation of Jesus leads to this you see that they go hand in hand actually but it's the strongest revelation the witness of the spirit of god in me and by that spirit of god that's how i walk miracles i walk signs and wonders i flow in the things of the spirit the voice of god is clear to me i experience god on a daily basis and that is where the believer is he's not he's out of just having to deduce from creation and from other things that there is a god now he has that god inside him so there is no doubt there is a god if you are born again, you are listening to me, you have God on the inside. And that is the highest revelation of God. There is no doubt. So you know there is a God because he lives inside you. I hope this blessed you. I hope this helped you. And I hope you will share this with other people so that they can also be helped in their convictions of who God is. Alright guys, that's it for today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and bye-bye. If this blessed you, or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien, pst.essien. Also, if you've been blessed and you'd love to support what we do here at MOG Podcast, then you can give to 0106-207-685. I'll say that again, 0106-207-685-GT Bank. God bless you.